We are turning to page 13 in the Church Bible, uh, reading from Genesis chapter 12. Uh, Genesis chapter 12. And we read from verse 1. The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was seventy-five years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abraham travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord, and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. Amen. Last Lord's Day we um, began a series of studies uh, on the life of Abraham. And we asked uh, a basic introductory question which we anticipated somebody might ask us if they walked into our church. They might say, why preach on Abraham when we are living in the age um, of the New Testament and uh, in the age after the coming of Jesus? And we saw an answer to that question that Abraham is arguably the most important Old Testament believer for us to know and understand. He is mentioned more often in the New Testament than any other believer is. And his life is introduced in the New Testament from a number of different angles and illustrates what it means to live by faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. When we look at the writings of Paul, for example, in his letter to the Romans, and he's writing on how a person is declared righteous with God, how a person is acceptable to God, Paul turns to Abraham and says, Here is a man 
who became right with God in the Old Testament through faith alone in Christ alone. Then James writes on the very practical subject of Christian living. And what does he do? As he's looking for examples to put flesh and bones and what it means to live for Christ, he goes back to Abraham. And he says, Abraham was a man who demonstrated his faith by his works. And so James says that like him, you and I, and all who claim to know Christ, we will demonstrate our faith in our works by our words and thoughts and actions. And then Peter preaching to the Jews in Acts chapter 2 and chapter 3, he reminded them that God's covenant with Abraham, which we'll come to in Genesis in due course, that that's a covenant that still stands in the New Testament with all Jews who receive the Christ. But then the most remarkable thing is that Paul, when he comes to write to Gentiles, those who had no covenant with God originally, he says to those who believe in Christ, you are Abraham's descendants. You are his children. You are the heirs of the promises and the blessings that were made to him. And so the scriptures then keep bringing Abraham before us uh, as a man who lived by faith uh, in the Son of God. And so this morning we come to Genesis chapter 12 and we're looking now at the section uh, verses 1 to 9, page 13 in the church Bible. What can we learn from this passage about living by faith in the Son of God? Well, we want to see this morning uh, actually three things. There are only two on your order of service, uh, but we're going to split the second one uh, into a a second uh, and a third. First of all, Abraham teaches us that if you and I claim to have faith in Jesus Christ as our Saviour, then we will live by the Word of God. We will live and we will die by the Word of God. Genesis chapter 12 begins the account of Abraham's life in its own right. The section we looked at last week presented us Abraham in his father's family, the family of Terah. But now we come and the spotlight has narrowed, uh, the lens has zoomed in uh, on um, Abraham himself. And the first thing that Moses records about Abraham is that God spoke to him. Look at verse 1. The Lord had said To Abraham, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. God's word 
coming to Abraham here. Christ speaking to Abraham in the Old Testament. And this word of God comes not as a request for Abraham to consider. It doesn't come as a recommendation for Abraham to evaluate. It comes rather as a command to be obeyed. The Lord tells Abraham to leave. And if he's going to live by faith in the Son of God, he has no choice but to do it. Look at what he's got to leave. He's got to leave his country. The place that he's familiar with. The place where he works. He's going to leave his family. What he knows. What he enjoys. He's got to leave his neighborhood. He's leaving it all for something that is unknown. And something that is very uncertain from a human perspective. So this is the command of God. This is the word of Christ that comes to him. It's a command that is painful. It's a command that is personal. It is in the singular. It's directed to Abraham as the head of this family. It's a command that is costly. So how does Abraham respond? Does he say to the Lord, well, let me think over it for a few days. Does he say, let me talk to Sarai? Or let me consult with my family? Now we're told in verse 4, So Abraham left as the Lord had told him. And that's the point that's brought out in Hebrews chapter 11 as well. By faith Abraham obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. We're told in the next verse in in, in Genesis that Abraham, uh, the second part of verse 4, was 75 years old when he set out from Han. This is actually the second time God has asked Abraham to pack up and to move. Earlier at God's call, Abraham with his wider family had left Ur of the Chaldees and gone, travelled from that eastern part up uh, to Haran. And now God was calling him to be in the move again. And Abraham, uh, this second command comes when Abraham is what we might describe as middle-aged. In our terms, Abraham's near enough 50 years of age, perhaps getting to the other side of being middle-aged. And he settled at Han. And it's evident that Abraham is set up for life because we read in verse 5 that he has accumulated people and he's accumulated property and he's accumulated livestock there while he has been there in Ham. But Abraham teaches us here that to live by faith in Christ is to live by the word of God. 
Yes, when that word comes to us very personally, and it comes to us and it cuts into us like a sword, and it's painful and it's costly. When it's asking us to leave something uh, and to stop doing something or to start doing something, it's costly. But we cannot say, I am saved and ignore or neglect the word of Christ. To live by faith in Christ for you and me, it's not so much to leave a place, although there are times when the Lord does call us to leave a place, but much more it is to leave a way of life, a way of life that we have all around us in our community and in our neighbourhood, A way of life that focuses on the things of time and focuses on what you can do and earn and enjoy. And Christ calls us to embrace a calling which is to focus on heaven and to have that as our place of residence and rest. And to be laying up treasures not on the earth, but treasures in heaven. To be living here on the earth as someone who is on a journey, passing through this world. And as we journey through the world, we're to journey with Christ and for Christ and reflect Christ. To live by faith in Christ for you and me is to take up our cross daily and to follow after him. It's personal, it's painful, it's costly, it's essential. To live by faith in the Son of God means living by God's word, means taking seriously his commands. And we ask ourselves this morning, is there any command that God is bringing to us? Anything that he's asking us, any sin that he's putting his finger on in our lives and saying, I want you to die to that sin. Are there graces and fruit of the Spirit that he's saying to us, I want you to cultivate Is there something that's coming to us in Scripture, in our personal readings, or while we're under the ministry of the Word? And to us, that is God saying to us, leave and go. Leave and go. Are we leaving our sin? Are we leaving the world? And are we going to heaven. But notice how God's word is not just commands. It's not just do this, do that, do the other. Christ is not a dictator who orders his people around selfishly like a sergeant major. I want us to notice how this single command to Abraham in verse 1 is followed by Seven promises. Seven promises. Boys and girls, the challenge is to count up 
the number of times the word will, W-I-L-L, occurs in verses 1 to 3, and you should find it seven times. And there's the seven things that God, that the Lord, that Christ is going to do for Abraham. The land I will show you. Then the Lord says, I will make you a great nation. I will make your name great. I will bless you. There's number four. Number five, you will be a blessing. Number six, I will curse your enemies. Number seven, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Notice that. One command. Seven promises. And at the heart uh, of this uh, sevenfold promise is blessing. 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 Blessing now in his life. Blessing in the years ahead in his life. Blessing in the generations of his family to come. Blessings right down through to the end of history. Is that not remarkable? Is that not staggering? That's what God is doing. That's what Christ is doing when he saves people. When he saved you and me. He is bringing blessing into our lives. Blessing that begins now. Blessing that's going to stretch forward in tomorrow to tomorrow and the weeks and the months and the years of our lives. And then it's blessing right into eternity. But it's not just some blessing that's for very selfishly and and singly focused. It's blessing that he's going to bring to your children. Blessing he's going to bring to your family. To your brothers and sisters. Blessing that he's going to bring to your neighbors. Blessing that he's going to continue to bring to the whole earth. That's what God is doing. And that's what God does when we live by his word. It is the secret, it is the key to blessing. Untold, unbounded blessing. And you and I need to hold on to that. Because in the midst of this context of promised blessing, there will be very severe challenges. And there can be major setbacks. Next week we will see that Abraham in the land of blessing is immediately confronted with a famine. And Abraham very easily could have said, well Lord, where's the blessing now? But the blessing is there. And the blessing is coming. Whether Abraham can see it or not. The blessing is sure and certain. And Peter writing in the New Testament, he speaks about the great and precious promises that belong to those who are in Christ. 
And Paul talks about the blessings that we have in Christ. And we need to remember those. And we need to set those side by side with the commands that are to be obeyed. Think of what Christ says to you as a believer this morning. I am with you always. No one can pluck you out of my hand. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. Christ says that um, his Father is working all things together for good. Christ says, I am coming again. Christ says, I am building my church. And we are to embrace the promises. And we are to hold on to them. And we're to believe them. And we're to focus on them. We're to claim them. Especially when the way is uncertain. And when the path is dark or difficult or steep in our lives. We often focus on the cost of serving Christ. What we lose. What we give up. What we give up to be part of this congregation. And not part of another larger congregation. What the children leave behind. And not having a lot of other children their own age. What we do without. But we need to realize that the blessings. The rewards. The promises. That Christ brings into our lives. They far, far outweigh the cost of obedience. The cost of following Christ. Living by God's word is the way to blessing in your life. So I say to you, obey his commands. And lay hold of his promises. His promise of blessing. Because he's going to enrich you. He's going to fill you with peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He's going to make you a blessing to others. In your family and in this community and in your workplace and in your neighborhood. To live by faith in the Son of God is to live by God's word. But then secondly, let's notice the second and third point are briefer. Let's notice secondly that we are to claim God's inheritance. Or we're to enter God's inheritance. The inheritance of God. That's the second point. Enter the inheritance of God. From Haran, after this command has come to Abraham, the Lord leads Abraham southwards. Southwards. And at a place called Shechem, um, verse 6, where there is a tree called the tree of Moreh, and that may have something to do with a place of worship, of uh, Canaanite worship in the land. Well, at that place, Christ appears to Abraham. Notice that. At that time, the Lord appeared, verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abraham. Now the only person in the Godhead that, can, that has 
takes a body and can appear to men is Christ. And so this is the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, taking a human form to himself before Bethlehem, before um, being conceived in the womb of Mary, before walking this earth. The Lord Jesus appeared to Abraham in the flesh. And that's why Jesus was able to say that Abraham rejoiced or saw my day and was glad to see it. Abraham saw the Lord Jesus in the flesh. And so here at Shechem, Christ appears to him. Now Abraham doesn't know it, but Shechem is a very significant place in the land of Canaan. It's like Belfast to someone travelling south from Carrickfergus. We leave here and go into Belfast. Well, you can go east. You want to go to Bangor. You can go south. Right the way down to Dublin, Kilkenny and the southernmost part of Ireland. You can go west to Fermanagh. In other words, it's a crossroads. Or if you've travelled across to Scotland on the boat... Uh, and you go to Carlisle. Well, Carlisle again, it's a, a major crossroads. You can go to the west of England, you go to the east of England, you go to the south, you can go to Wales. Well, that's the kind of place that Shechem is. It's a major junction, a major crossroads. And from this point, Abraham could go to the east, or he could go to the west, or he could go further south. In the ancient land of Canaan. And he's come from the north of the land. And at this place Christ declares to him. Look at what Christ says to him when he appears to him. Verse 7. To your offspring I will give this land. To your offspring I will give this land. My God is, or Christ is saying something very, very powerful to Abraham. He's saying, Abraham, as you stand at this crossroads place in Canaan, whatever direction you look in, whatever direction you follow, whether southwards to the Negev Valley, or you want to go westwards um, uh, to the Mediterranean Sea, or if you go eastwards to the Jordan, or if you choose to go backwards to the hill country where you've come from, this land, north, south, east and west, is yours. That is Abraham's inheritance. And it's a very abundant, it's an abundant provision, it's a gracious provision that Christ makes from him for him and then we read that from there what does abraham do well abraham goes to the south and he stops at a place uh, between bethel and ai uh, in verse 9 um, and then we're told that he goes on further south sorry that was verse 8 
then verse 9, Abraham set out and continued towards the Negev, right down to the southernmost tip of the land, down towards Egypt. And indeed we're told in verse 6, Abraham travelled throughout the land. Why does Abraham do that? Is Abraham like one of those people that uh, go into a car park and they say, right, okay, I'm going to park in this spot. And they stop the car and they get out and then you see them getting back into their car and no, no, they move then. They go over to the other side of the car park and then actually they move again. Is he, or is he like one of those people when you go to the beach in the summer uh, and you see somebody coming with their towel and they put it down here and then after five minutes they try across there and then you look again a half an hour later and they're way at the far side of the beach. They can't decide where, where they're going to put down their, 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 ta- their, um, their towel and enjoy uh, the beach, the day at the beach or the person and they can't enjoy or can't decide where they're going to part the car. Is that Abraham's problem? Well, no, that's not what Abraham's doing. Abraham is traveling throughout the land with purpose. Because he's claiming the inheritance that Christ has promised to him. Christ has said, go to the south. And Abraham goes to the south. Christ has said, go to the west. It's yours in the west. And Abraham goes to the west. Christ has said, it's yours in the east. And Abraham goes to the east. And so we learn here that we that Abraham, to live by faith in the Son of God, we learn from Abraham that it means to claim are the inheritance of God. And men and women and boys and girls, that's what it means for you and me to live by faith in Christ also. As we go through this world, what are we to do day by day? We are to claim our inheritance. We're to remind ourselves of our inheritance. The inheritance that is laid up for us in heaven. That is incorruptible and that is undefiled. To use uh, the words of Peter. Stored up for us. We're to remember. That's where we're going. And there in heaven. We are going to have pleasures forevermore at God's right hand. And there we are going to know no more suffering, no more pain, no more setback, no more sickness, no more disappointment. There we are going to enjoy God and we're going to enjoy God's people. And there will not be a slightest um, thing to disturb that enjoyment. What a prospect that is. And we need to keep our focus on that inheritance as we journey through this world. Because there are many things that uh, challenge us uh, and that we face and that we encounter. Uh, that could hinder us in claiming our inheritance. But Abraham doesn't allow any of those things. Think of all the things that have could have held him back. The Canaanites are in the land, and he's small in number. 
He's only a little group. And here's this massive, massive community that worships false gods. And yet Abraham walks around it. And he walks through it. And he's claiming it for God. And should we not think of that even with regard to here and now in our town of Carrickfergus? We're here. Why are we here? I hope every one of us is here. And I believe every one of us is here. Because Christ, we believe, has brought us here. This is the place of our inheritance. Now. This is where we enjoy Christ now. And yes, we are a very, very small number. No different from Abraham and Sarai and Lot and his herdsmen and some possessions. And all around us is a massive community, most of whom are worshipping false gods. And we walk around this community, not strutting our heads in the earth, but we walk around it and we live in it prayerfully. And we live in it by faith day by day. And we say, Christ, this is your time. This is your land. These people are made in your image. And we want to claim the inheritance for you of men and women coming to faith and being added to the church. Let's possess, let's claim the inheritance that we believe Christ promised to us seven years ago when we began this journey of faith and service and witness here in Carrickfergus. But then thirdly, and very briefly, let's prioritize the worship of God. The worship of God. Let's prioritize the worship of God or maybe we should even say let's respond with worship to God or with worship of God. Because is that not what Abraham does here in this land? What does he do? We're told in verse um, 7 that after the Lord had appeared to him, after the Lord had spoken to him, he built an altar there to the Lord. And verse 8, when he goes on to another place in the land, there he built an altar to the Lord. That's very important. When something's repeated several times in a short passage of Scripture, it's for emphasis. And it's saying, notice the importance of worship of God. What does Abraham do when God comes to him and God gives him this command, this single command and this series of, of promises of blessing? And when God shows him and takes him to the place where he wants him to be, what does Abraham do? He gathers together some stones and he builds an altar and then he takes one of the animals we're not told this, but we know that this is the only way you could worship God in the Old Testament. And so he takes a lamb and he slaughters the lamb and he sheds the blood. 
And he reminds himself, this is how I have been saved. And this is how this land will be saved. And this is how this land will be claimed for God. As I give myself in every place where I am, in every activity that I do, as I give myself to the worship of God. And you see, that's the challenge to you and me this morning. That we are to respond to this God, this Christ who saved us. This Christ who has brought us together in his church. This Christ who has assembled us in this town. This Christ who has placed us amongst so many needy people. What do we do? We're here today. And we're erecting an altar of worship to Christ in this time. Yes we have no stones. And we have no lamb. Because Christ is the lamb. And Christ is the stone. And Christ is the altar. And so we erect in this place. Week by week. And month by month. And year by year. A place of worship to Christ. And the reality is, for us as it was for Abraham, the Canaanites were then in the land. The unbelievers, those who worshipped other gods, were all around them. But Abraham would not be intimidated. Abraham would not be silenced. Abraham would not be stopped in his worship of Christ. Because... That is the response that we make to God in the light of the inheritance that he gives us. And so wherever the Lord has placed you, wherever you live, wherever you work in this town, whoever you are with, erect an altar of worship to Christ. Let it be known in your family. Let it be known in your workplace. Boys and girls. Let it be known at school. Yes before the other boys and girls. Who don't believe. Let it be known amongst neighbours. And friends. And in all areas of life. Christ has saved me. And I serve him. And I worship him. And my calling is to claim all of life for him as I go towards my inheritance in heaven. Lay in hold of your inheritance in Christ before the Canaanites around you. Living by faith in the Son of God. It's to live by the word of God. Obeying his commands. Claiming his promises. It is to claim the inheritance of God. Where he's put us now. To claim that for him. But looking to an ultimate inheritance that is heaven. And it is to prioritize or to respond with the worship of God. Erecting a witness, a testimony for him. Throughout the land. Is that not what we want to do in this time? We want to erect 
a witness for Christ throughout the time. And until that has happened, our task is not finished. And our work is not done. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Our God and our Father in heaven, we thank you today for the Lord Jesus Christ who appeared to Abraham at the tree of Moreh, who had led Abraham to that place from Ham, whose word, whose command Abraham had obeyed, whose promises Abraham had embraced. We thank you that this is how Christ deals with us. When we live by faith and by obedience towards the Son of God, He is indeed the one who will appear to us, not in a physical, visible form that we can see with our eyes, but that we can see by faith. He will appear to us in His Word. He will make His presence felt as we read it in our homes as we gather together under it and around it in the church. And we pray, Almighty God, that as Christ reveals himself to us, that we would rejoice in the blessings that he gives us, the inheritance that is ours, that is laid up in heaven for us, but the inheritance that is ours now in the church, and how we are to claim the whole land, we are to claim all of life, We're to claim our entire town for Christ. Enable us, Lord, to do that, though we are small in number, and though the Canaanites are in the land everywhere today also. Help us today to respond to you with worship, to um, glorify you, to praise you, to magnify you with our lips for your great salvation for your great inheritance, for your rich blessings in Christ. And we ask it all for his glory and honour. Amen.